0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If you are listening for the first time, or perhaps you read it ahead of time, which is always worthwhile to prepare for Mass, the Gospel concerns itself with the question of spiritual combat our Lord casting out a devil, being accused of doing so only in the name of the prince of demons, which does remind me of a time when my brother called in a a pledge to not the Bishop's Lenten Appeal, but to a televangelist whose name I won't mention because we only mention names of those in communion with the church uh, in the sacred liturgy. Um... But since we've already mentioned Beelzebub, my brother called in a, a donation uh, on behalf of uh, St. Mephistopheles Church. And it was just to get the, this Catholic-hating televangelist to, to choke on his own words as he was reading on, on air all the donations that were uh, coming in from all of his listeners. Um, just one of those um, uh, just delightfully awful moments in life. How can these accusations be made against our Lord? Because it seems to be the, the, the worst possible thing that you could say about him, that in fact he's um, not of heaven, he is not good, And what he is doing, he does with the power of the evil one. Given that the first commandment is the most important commandment, to honor, praise, and worship God is our greatest duty, also our greatest honor and dignity. I suggest to you that the Jews who had our Lord killed Precisely because they thought he was guilty of blasphemy, paid him at least the honor of acknowledging that he was working miracles and that he had supernatural power. The idea that he was concocting hoaxes, that he was simply tricking people, isn't something that we hear the Jews saying, whether it be in our sacred scriptures or in their ancient documents. There are no ancient Jewish documents that claim Jesus of having just deceived people with hoaxes and tricks. Rather, they were ready to admit that he worked miracles. And since they were convinced that he couldn't be of God because of their reasons, they concluded that he must be of the evil one. But the great deception of the devil in the 20th century, and sadly the 21st, is not a great heresy that confuses people about a truth that gets people wrapped around Christianity in one aspect to the exclusion of others, to the ruin of the entirety. But rather, it's to just take it all as something ordinary, nothing special, a trick, but nothing to get worked up about neither the truth for which you should die or a great evil that you should eradicate, just something to be ignored. Believers can fall prey to this, and and, and they they continue to believe, or so they think, when in fact they simply happen to acknowledge truths to be um, true, they just don't care. They don't allow that truth to, to touch their heart, to affect their lives. Or more precisely, they don't allow those truths to keep them from sin. And once those sins have taken over their way of life, these truths can no longer be acknowledged. Because either our actions conform to our beliefs or our beliefs conform to our actions. One or the other prevails. And so this heinous accusation that our Lord is casting out demons by the prince of demons at least is some acknowledgement of the truth of what he's doing. Their hardness of heart, though, prevents them from recognizing goodness, prevents them from recognizing the work of God. They simply recognize a work of power. Showing mercy, healing the sick, raising the dead, taking hypocrites to task, didn't prompt them to say, you're wrong. It prompted them to say, show us a sign to prove that you have the authority to be accusing us of these things, says the guilty conscience. At the end of all of this, this was my original question to you at the beginning, if you're listening to this for the first time, and or if you already read it ahead of time, which we ought to do, why, why at the end of all of this is the, are those last two sentences included in this passage for our reading? As it came to pass, he spoke these things. A certain woman from the crowd lifted up her voice. Right? How blessed is the womb that bore you, right? the breasts that nursed you. And he says, rather, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. How is the, besides the fact that it happened in, in succession, but the word of God is written purposefully, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the church gives us passages to read for a reason, How is that the conclusion of a long discourse on the casting out of devils? Consider the fall of the evil one in the first place and why he hates Our Lady so much. Consider how these pure created spirits, the angels, created with infused knowledge, would know the truth of God's power, God's glory, God's majesty, and their, their only dignity in it having been given them by God, and their great dignity in being near God, to be His servants, To see him. But in order to see him in the beatific vision that would last forever, they would have to be humbled. Imagine how much of what was predestined... was known by them, the incarnation, adoption of human creatures through Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God, and also Son of Mary, and that Mary would be the most sublime of all creatures, angelic and human. That they would have to honor her, even though she is flesh and blood, not just created spirit. Many a holy soul has concluded that the devil refused to bow before this mystery and refused to pay honor to a mere human being, even if she would be the mother of the incarnate Lord. And so the evil one who occupied that highest place up until then of created beings would have to... Yield his place to a virgin, to a young girl. It should be no mistake then. Not only that her her name is his curse. But that her holiness is our example. Because it's not enough, as our Lord warns them, to merely sweep the house, to merely stop doing evil things. Holiness and freedom from wrath and evil means being holy, as the Blessed Virgin Mary is holy. God dwelling in her and with her. We do not do battle against evil spirits. God does. God's presence in us is our protection. The intercession of the angels and saints is our constant defense. And so it's because of Mary and with Mary and for Mary that we know how to approach our Lord with proper reverence and open our hearts and our souls and our bodies to him. Consider how these words might be repeated in different ways. How blessed are your hands that touch the blessed sacrament. How, how, how blessed and how fortunate are your lips that are able to drink his precious blood. So much of what Our Lady does is the work of the church and, and the sacred duties of priests. It's, it's not the touching of our Lord that is the blessing. It's not the touching of his blood to our lips that it's the blessing. It's in, in being reconciled to him. It's in being humbled by him. It's in being sanctified by him. Because otherwise, the touching of his body and the touching of his blood is our curse and our condemnation. We see it time and time again. If you do take the time, as I urge you strongly, to visit the exhibition of the Eucharistic miracles, how many of these miracles came about because of a sacrilege or or neglect, whether it be by, by the clergy or by the laity. the priest who was called to bring, our, bring Viaticum to a dying soul, and without taking the time to reverently place our Lord in a pyx in a proper sacred vessel, he takes our Lord and he puts it in the pages of his breviary. And when he arrives at the deathbed, opening his book, the sacred host is no longer there, but the bloodstain where it once was remains. To this day. Or the merchant in Brussels in 1369 who, in hatred of the church, obviously inspired by the evil one, sought to, to desecrate the blessed sacrament and stole sacred hosts. He died mysteriously a few days later. And when his wife gave those hosts to friends of theirs, and when on Good Friday, 1370, they decided to stab these hosts with knives, they saw blood pour forth. They also met an ugly death. To be near our Lord is a blessing when we love Him. To be near our Lord. To receive our Lord is a blessing when we are in the state of grace, when when we believe in him. The evil one knows that the bread and wine are turned into the body and blood of Christ. He believes that. He just doesn't believe in Jesus. It's not enough for us to know the truth. To be humbled and rescued from all our sins. How many of the things that other people count as your blessings, you know, could be the very reason for you to go to hell, the great spouse that you married, your, your, your wonderful accomplishments in life, your family, your wealth, your health, could just as easily be the ruin of our souls? if we do not honor them and respect them as having come from God and having God's purpose. So we beg the Lord to to humble all of us and to allow those words that honor the Blessed Virgin Mary to, to be our hope. What matters not isn't a particular privilege, what other people are allowed to do or, or what I'm not allowed to do. What matters is to hear the Word of God and to believe and to be humbled and to be repentant and to be forgiven. To be adopted by God, to be absolved, to be forgiven, to be cleansed by His body, blood, soul, and divinity, to be given eternal life, that matters. That is worth rejoicing. That's worth celebrating. St. Paul boasted of one thing. That on the cross, Christ died for him. And so in this Latin meditation on Good Friday, we look at our Lord with hope. And we gaze upon the only thing of which we ever boast. And we pray that we may always be worthy to be in his presence. To be touched by him, to be healed by him, to remain at his side. With Mary as our mother, the saints and the angels as our brothers and sisters. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.